Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brew Theology Podcast. I'm Ryan Miller, and on today's episode, we are talking about devils and demons. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so tonight I'm drinking the Big Bad Baptist, because Baptists love to talk about devils and demons. I grew up evangelical Southern Baptist, and I, after almost two decades, have now become more of an evolving Anabapta, Methodocostal follower of Jesus, Anabaptist, United Methodist, Jewish, Pentecostal. Yeah. Still evolving, big, large Jesus tent, and that's my story. Yeah. Who's next? And I'm, I'm killing the Baptist. I'm drinking the last of that bottle, and it's really good. Um, and as a now practicing Buddhist, I'm going to make this quip again for everyone's benefit that I've been making all night, which is that as a atheist, I'm so glad I don't have to think about this stuff, but I'm happy to talk about it. Um, I used to be a Christian and then I was an atheist. So put on your Christian hat and atheist hat. I, I'm going to do all of it. I'm happy to talk about it. I think it's fascinating. Um, but as a, so I used to be a Christian, was an atheist for a while, um, sort of have been walking gently and steadily towards being a, a practicing Buddhist, so that's kind of where I'm at. Oh, I'm Liz. Did I say that? Hey, Liz. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Monica. I'm drinking red wine because that's my jam. Um, I used to be a fundamentalist evangelical. Um, then I moved beyond that due to social reasons. I got real liberal. Um, I'm a pluralist now, um, and I still love Jesus. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris. I'm uh, a former Jehovah's Witness. Tonight, drinking Colorado Native. It's a pretty good amber ale. Um, right now, at this point, I'd say I'm secular, agnostic, atheist, somewhere in that realm. Fluctuates. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Janelle. I was born and raised in the Church of the Nazarene. I now attend an ELCA church and have a house church in my home. And I have a Breckenridge pumpkin spice latte coffee stout on nitro in my backpack that I would be working on later. So, yum. Tasty. It's awesome. That is good. And to all of you, I would say, could it be Satan? Listen, <laughs> <laughs> well, else, good. Dana Carvey came back recently. Did you see that? No, no, no. Church lady. Oh, funny. Yeah. Come on, everybody. I know some people who are listening out going, church lady, who is that? Because they were yeah. probably being born with <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, okay. Look it up. Google church lady Satan. So fa- favorite devil character in the movies, I love the movies, would be Al Pacino and the Devil's Advocate. Mm-hmm. Let's just start there because that's fun. Mm-hmm. Favorite de- You didn't see that one coming. Favorite devil character in a movie. Ooh, I, really liked, I really liked the devil in um, the Powerpuff Girls, actually. Okay. Mm-hmm. Didn't see that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like Keanu Reeves' uh, Constantine, oh, nice. who fights de- devils and demons. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Also in Devil's Advocate, by the way. Oh, okay. Keanu. <laughs> this is embarrassing, but the only thing I can think of is The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes. That's a great movie. Anna Wintour, The Devil. Meryl yes. Streep, she is Meryl the Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic devil. Yeah. She'd play a really good devil if she did a devil role. She could mm-hmm. be. She was Cruella DeVille, too, was she mm-hmm. not? Or was she uh, someone else? I don't know. Was she... oh, might have been. Anyways, I'm sorry. No, that was, um, that was, that was Glenn Close. Oh, yeah, Glenn Close. Who was the devil in the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie with the end of times when oh, yeah. G- Gabriel Byrne? Do you remember him? He was a bad devil, but that was, a, that was back when Arnold was making fun movies. 
it's not. I don't know if he's ever made a fun all. movie, yeah. but they're, they're fun. Tinderbox Pop? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I like The Godfather. He's pretty, like, devil-like to me. Yeah. You went metaphorical. All right, so uh, Islam, which we just did an episode on that one with Iman uh, Judah, so I would love to hear how she's not with us tonight, but it'd be great to hear her take on this one. So according to the studies that I've read, Islam speaks of shaitan, which means astray or distant, which can be applied to man, and Iblis is the name given to the devil. So according to the Quran, God created the devil out of smokeless fire this being disobeyed Allah by not bowing down to Adam and was forced out of heaven. Iblis became the enemy who roams the earth until the fiery day of judgment. And contrasting Iblis, according to the Baha'i faith, Satan is not an independent evil force, but rather represents the lower nature of humans, the yeah. ego. That's cool. Um, so the word Satan comes from Hebrew. Um, it means the accuser, the adversary. You can see it in the book of Job and Zechariah. Um, and it's been appropriated among religious circles, including Christianity, for a long time. Um, when the Babylonians held the Jews in exile, the Hebrew-rooted religion found within itself a unique culture for an entire generation. Um, some scholars see the contact with religious pluralities and dualism in Babylon, um, such as Zoroastrianism, and that that influenced um, Second Temple, Temple Judaism and then Christianity later. Um, and Satan, interpreted as the chief opponent of God and ruler over demons, seems to take root during the time of the writings in the period captured in the first and second book of Enoch, the book of Wisdom, the book of Jubilees. Um, rabbinic Judaism interprets the Satan as human opponent, hindering shalom or peace and the mission of tikkun olam, tikkun olam which is the healing of the world um, in Judaic thought. Um, thus, Satan is personified as a character that accuses and seduces humanity, um, as, and also, of course, a motif and a metaphor, the uh, yetzer hara, or evil inclination. In the Middle Ages, rabbis rejected the, those particular writings and um, made an effort to root out that sort of mythological fallen angel situation out of the writing. Conventional Christianity identifies Satan as the serpent who tempted Eve in the garden in Genesis, the fallen son of dawn in Isaiah, the ruler of the world, Matthew, and who will be ultimately thrown in the lake of fire in Revelation. Satan, God's chief nemesis, is one who steals, kills, and destroys. Some religious groups treat Azazel, the scapegoat seen in Leviticus on the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur is the symbol for statement, prefiguring the final judgment where Satan will be punished. The real responsibility lies on this figure, not as an atonement for sin, but rather as a retribution for causing humanity to sin. Thus, Satan receives the wages of sin, which is literally death, once and for all. Weird. In ancient Mesopotamia, the Chaldean myth spoke of seven evil deities known as Shidu, which were storm demons pictured in ox-like animal form. They were winged bulls that protected royal palaces. They were believed to come from the netherworld. A variety of human ailments and diseases such as headache, epilepsy, nightmares, blindness, etc. can be ascribed to those demons. The word demon, or shedim in Hebrew, is found only in two passages of the Hebrew scriptures. Contextually, in reference to child sacrifice and quote-unquote false gods. So Jewish people don't spend a ton of time on demonology. 
a demon, daimonion in Greek, from the word diasthai, to divide, is categorized as a supernatural fiend, a wicked creature found within religions, folklore, and myth, fiction, and pop culture. A demon is referred to as an unclean spirit. It is found 63 times in the New Testament. Jesus is seen rebuking and casting out many demons in the gospel accounts. Many Christians continue to practice a form of exorcism today. Some Christians have gone so far in depth of demonology as to classify the nature of a demon, the sin which they tempt people, the time of year their power is strongest, and the saints that were their adversaries. Asura, incorrectly translated as demon in Hindu text, originally meant any supernatural spirit, good or evil. Asura eventually came to mean any race of anthropomorphic, powerful, and potentially evil beings. And they're not against the Hindu gods. They don't tempt humans to fall either. Now, there are many people who will interpret the Asura as manifestations of immoral passions in the human mind. Some humans post-death are condemned due to the Atman, the soul's karma, uh, to roam as lonely or evil spirits before being reborn. So many religious people try to ward off evil spirits um, via prayer and other ritual, um, but there are others who willfully summon uh, evil spirits for knowledge, assistance, and power. Um, a grimoire is a textbook for magic spells um, and speaks of certain abilities of demons, um, gives descriptions for conjuring and controlling these spirits. Some people speak of the principalities of darkness as those forces associated with Rome, the evil empire that oppresses others, and bemoans the metaphysical conversion of a satanic being and demons in favor of moving the conversations toward political and social change. Others speak of a need to bring back a balance to the spiritual equation and understand the potential cosmic forces that influence the natural day-to-day world. To speak of spiritual forces and practical human-based change in a synergistic relationship with or against these supposed powers. So what do you think? Can I put on my pagan hat for a minute and add one more paragraph? (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Which is that um, I think a lot of people who practice paganism would say that there are, and maybe Taoism is the same way, there's principles of light and principles of darkness, and they tend to be complementary. And so, like in European-based paganism, you get like the sun god and the god of darkness, and you get the sun goddess and the, you know, goddess of darkness. And um, I think some people would say that uh, the dark sides of those of that religion has been unfairly categorized as being evil, but that it's just dark, you know, and, and it's it's formative and it's chaotic and it embodies a lot of, of sort of whatever archetypal principles, but not necessarily evil. So I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> no, thanks. Appreciate yeah. that. So, and I think all this is incredibly fascinating from different religious perspectives. Yeah. And this is this is like a primer. There's so much more than this. Yeah. And I don't know why, but this this conversation is so much fun. And we had, yeah, we had a guy is. who came to the pub when we had this conversation with a devil mask on, which then freaks somebody else out. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, oh. Yes. Oh. But I, I'm just kind of curious, because it, it depends on your heritage. What was mm-hmm. your, your faith heritage growing up yeah. about devils and demons? Don't talk about where it is today. Actually, at the end of your thing, you can say, I'm no longer... Well, I think we would say we're no longer there because you've all, you've all been uh, possessed because you've all changed from your heritage. But, okay, start with, start with, you. <laughs> start with your heritage, and then, uh, and then we won't talk about where you are now. Sure. Yeah. So when I was a Christian, I w- you know, and my family belonged to mainline Christianity, so that's Presbyterians, Episcopalians, non-denominational, 
not so very evangelical folks. And so um, the idea of um, charismatic expressions of faith as well as charismatic embodiments of darkness, not a part of the Christianity I grew up with. So, oh, um, and where, oh, where I am now. You know, I was, okay, so we started this whole thing saying that I don't believe in it, but, you know, the interesting thing is that as I um, begin to talk to more people, um, people have really weird supernatural experiences, some of which are really kind of dark and destructive and scary, and so, who am I to say? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I grew up fundamentalist, evangelical, um, I actually question now whether what I was taught is in the Bible because I, mm. I can't find it anymore, which is distressing. Um, uh, but you know, you know, the myth is that um, God banished Satan out of heaven for not bowing down to him. So Satan was he wanted power, and then he was banished, and he tempts us to fall away from God, uh, basically. Um, and now. I mean, I'm with Liz. Like, I believe in angels and supernatural protection and even loved ones, you know, coming back from the dead. And I'd like not to think that there's evil spirits too, but that doesn't make sense. I can't believe in the good and not the bad. Um, So, yeah, I think there's a literal devil, probably. Demons, maybe. I'm not sure. As a Jehovah's Witness that we were taught... um <clears throat> that Satan was a literal being, a spirit, uh, just like God or, or the angels. And then he had uh, many demons who were God's other fallen angels. And um, I guess one thing, looking back on it, a lot of that was, I think of it in like a timeline because we have, um, we, we agreed with a lot of other Christians on, on him being banished to earth or being thrown out of heaven. Um, maybe that was unique to us that he was banished or he was stuck here. So that's why things are so bad. He's wreaked havoc on earth. He's responsible for the wars. He's running the governments, those kinds of things. And, um, then at Armageddon, he would be destroyed or he wouldn't be destroyed at Armageddon, but he would be bound for a thousand years and then God would destroy him. So it's a long time. Yeah. A thousand years of, <laughs> of solid. Well, I don't know if it was solitary confinement, but yeah. Yeah. a thousand years is a long time. Um, so maybe maybe Satan will repent. That, no, no, no. The, the timeline was that at the end of the thousand years, mankind would be perfect. Okay, and then they would be tested again. So God, oh. Satan would be let out. Oh, it's cyclical. The yes. Matrix, oh. and Satan would be. We would be back to Adam and Eve's state where they were tested. Interesting. And we would have to pass the test in. And if if you decided to turn your back against God, you were getting destroyed with him. <laughs> if you decided to go with him, then you you would be a member of that paradise. And all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting, that kind of stuff. 6,000 year cycles. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, I guess the point of that was just to see really who was loyal to God, you know, in God's mind. The free will being you you choose your fate. Um, So, yeah, that's that's where that stood back then. Uh, We believed in, uh, you know, the power of of being influenced by hypnosis uh, or Ouija boards, um, magical books, magical video games, magical movies. We're Pokemon, all bad, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Yep, Harry Potter, Pokemon all that bad. stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Spiritual, a little bit of a spiritual oh, okay. element that I never quite understood. I still watch Pokemon. I like Pokemon. <laughs> so, um, and I remember that there's a verse in James 2, 19 that talks about the demons shuddering at, the, at, at, the, at hearing God's name. 
So it's kind of odd looking back on it now, but as a kid, that w that brought me a lot of comfort. So if I felt at the at the time that there were demons around, just saying the name Jehovah felt me made me feel better, made me feel as if that was something safe to say and some you know like in the Lion King. Yes. Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa. 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 Yes. A bit like that. Yeah. And people think Disney's satanic. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so now I, I I'm a, I don't know. It's hard to say. I guess I'm I'm in the same boat as you know. I I, I can't explain the weird things that people say happen to them. Um, I've heard the same. You know, other experiences. I do believe. <laughs> Throughout history, we, we humans have experimented with mind-altering substances, and some of us are just unfortunately afflicted by mental illnesses where we hallucinate and, and see things or hear things, voices and actual people. Um, it, it's kind of rare, but it, it does happen. Uh, so I think that could explain some of it, but I don't know. I mean, I, mean I, I can't claim to know what's in this whole universe and how it all works. I grew up in an environment where we didn't talk about it a lot, but I do remember early on seeing a movie that was about the end times that left me terrified for a long time. And though we didn't really talk about it in Sunday school or at church... Uh, thief in the Night. This, yeah, The Thief in the Night <laughs> and Left Behind was happening... This is going to age me, but uh, when I was in a, in youth group. And so I didn't read them, but I mean... That kind of stuff definitely infected the, the evangelical environment. And then when I went to college, um, well, I'll just say it what, it what it was at the time. Uh, we encountered extreme spiritual warfare. And I don't, even today, I can't give you any other explanation than, to the best of my knowledge, that is what we were dealing with. Um, and so I don't desire to engage that anymore um i'm not ever going to say it's not real because i've i've seen it and encountered it um but i think that when we focus on that we are missing so much of what god has for us there is so much more to be done and to be lived and experienced than to be stuck trying to find a demon under every rock and i think that when that imbalance becomes the norm we're kind of forsaking the life that we've been given and I don't think it should be a focus. Yeah. Growing up for me, it was very similar to many of you where I would just say I was scared shitless. I, I really thought that, I mean, no, really. I, I, I really thought that, that Satan was, um, I mean, definitely real and was going to get me if I did something bad or snatch me. or So Thief of the Night, we watched that also in youth group. Which is the left, based on the Left Behind. Well, actually, Left Behind came out, I think, after, after Thief in the Night. Oh, I mean, I, we had we had the Hell House, did, you know, during Halloween, the where they would, you know, put uh, real-life scenarios in there, and you'd mm -hmm. die of a car crash, and then you go, some would go to heaven, some would go to hell, and, uh, gosh, that was, uh, it was frightening. Horribly frightening. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, with demons, same thing. You can't have the devil without his minions. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. so we dealt with a lot of demons... But I wouldn't say that, that our tradition, our, our specific Southern Baptist evangelical faith did any kind of Pentecostal spiritual warfare, warfare stuff. I think a lot of that happened later in life when I had uh, more of a Pentecostal friends and influences. So it was kind of interesting how the Baptist world spends a lot of time, yes, focusing on God and Jesus and salvation, 
But the devil is a big part of that equation because you don't want to go where the devil is. You don't want to burn in hell. No. But but there was never any. At least the Pentecostals kind of were trying to give you tools to deal with Satan and demons. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in the Baptist evangelical world, which both are evangelicals, Pentecostals and Baptists, uh, the Baptist didn't give you anything. So he had to go to knock on your Pentecostal friend's house like, hey, how do I deal with the demon there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was just wanted to scare the shit out of you to get you into heaven. No. That's, yeah, but. Can I put my satanic hat on for a second? Do it. Do it. Oh, one more interpretation that wasn't on the, the sheet, which is, I think, and I don't know because I'm not, I've never been part of the Church of Satan or spoken with anyone who's part of that. But I think the other turning on the head is the myth that, that Satan embodied uh, was embodied in the serpent in the Garden of Eden, but that that was a really good thing for humanity. Like, Satan was really looking out towards evolving humanity into the next phase with mm. accepting knowledge and, mm. and and sort of driving them forward. So I'm just going to yeah. say that. I'm just going to put that on the table. Do it. Okay, so yeah. let's do two things. So we, we can go two different directions, because Janelle brought it up and then you brought this up. So we can either talk about how important it may be to believe in a literal Satan or the personification or something other than, or we talk about our experiences because you did bring that up. I know you say you don't want to bring it up again, no, but hey, right. you're, you're here tonight. So I mean, I'm kind of curious. We'll, we'll start with experience and then we'll go back to um, more of the theology behind that. So have you ever had a supernatural experience with evil forces? Whatever you may call it. You want to call it Satan, demon, Shaitan, Asura, whatever it may be, your your own self. Some people want to call her, you know, yeah. hey, I mean, I'm, I'm the devil. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it's, and I think it comes out of a, a culture and a place and a time, but, you know, I, I prefer to see everything in the form of metaphors. This is, it's, you know, um, modern psychology and shadow selves and the subconscious and the limbic brain. And, you know, it's, it makes it seem not quite so scary and, and mental illness, you know, is treatable. And if you recognize it, you don't have to walk around your whole life being scared by the voices in your head and the things that you're seeing. And so it feels very, like, redemptive and safe. Um, and I, I hate, I almost hate to entertain the idea that there could be something else because that's out of control, extremely scary. So, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Okay. So they're all staring at me, just so you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give you a very short story, and I want to change my name, but... The experience that we had, uh, I think it's important to remember when people tell you these things that in the moment they feel extremely real, whether it's mental or groupthink or whatever, um, that does not take away the fear and the uncertainty of what they're encountering. And for me, especially because I had never encountered anything like this, I really thought it was something was really wrong. Um, so it started um, with seeing shadows move, which sounds so stupid when you say it out loud now, but being out and walking around campus and seeing shadows move when there was no one there or nothing there. And then um, having three or four other people that were in our student Christian group come to the leader with separate stories of different things all in the same week. Um, one was somebody woke up feeling like something was sitting on them. People had seen eyes, had seen hands in the clouds. I know it sounds insane. And um, so that was really creepy. And we, we, strangely enough, we had a few charismatics, but really nobody knew what to do. Like we were, it, it was a real fear. It felt real. So we went to our pastor 
of the Nazarene church. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, this happens every couple of years. And we're like, what? He's like, yeah, about every five years, we go through a cycle of this on campus. And we're like, what? <laughs> you know? And uh, so we learned some of the traditional uh, control mechanisms, building a hedge of protection, pleading the blood of Christ, um, binding the demonic spirit and casting it to the bottom of the ocean. That's, seems to capture them in a way they can't escape. And so those things for a little while became part of our normative way of, you know, interacting with the world. Um, and it continued to progress and get more serious over the semester and more people were experiencing it, which doesn't surprise me because once it starts, it, it can grow. But we did have an arboretum on campus and uh, someone had been walking there and noticed in one of the gazebos that, they had seen a pentagram and melted candles. I want to say that that might be made up. I don't know. But, I mean, that was something that was noticed. And so towards the end of the semester, um, one night we were sitting outside. And uh, from my dorm, we could see the arboretum, the entrance. And an old, old man tumbled out, out the gate and started making his way up the street and Yes, I am sane. Um, and as he continued to walk up the street, he started to get younger, and we soon realized that it was a classmate of ours. Um, and we took him to his dorm, and uh, we didn't see him for a few days, and he finished the semester and he left. Um, and it quit that night. It was over, all of it. Um, and he... Uh, we had some really interesting conversations with him that left us uh, really in that context wondering what does it mean to entertain angels. Um, and that was verified by several different people that felt that same whatever. Um, so I am sane and normal and okay, but this is my experience, and I don't have an explanation for it. And... Um, but it, it happened, however we might explain it away now, um, it was very real at the time. Mm, thanks for sharing. Yeah. I actually remember, um, <laughs> it's actually horrible now um, to think that my dad would do this to us. But anyway, on set, my dad used to listen to AM talk radio all the time. Oh, and, uh, why did he do that to you? KOA and whatever. <laughs> so anyway, I remember on Sunday nights there was this program and we'd be driving home from church. Yes, we went three times a week. Um, Only three? What kind of Nazarene were you? <laughs> I know, right? So it would be dark, you know, in the winter and everything. We're coming home from church. And he'd turn on this talk radio and... Um, it was a call-in show for people that were demon-possessed. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's not um, coast-to-coast in the middle of the night. Well, I mean, it was only 7 p.m. Oh, okay, something. so probably not, because they, yeah. they had talked about all kinds of paranormal stuff, but anyways. Uh, no, yeah. it was Christian. Oh, okay. So it was Got a it. pastor, and people would call in that were demon-possessed, and I'm telling you right now, I was young, but, like, they didn't seem like earthly voices, and I was... Very scary. scary. And, um, and you know, they, they do an exorcism over the radio. Now, that again, I feel you, Janelle, because I feel really silly, like, saying it. But um, that informed me as a child. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was real or not. But 
I don't want to discount things that people have told me or seen um, that I respect and love. I mean, the I I can't. I mean, I there's got to be a spirit world because I believe in God. And he's not not material, he's spirit. literal. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. it's right. Mm. So yeah, it's weird when this stuff comes up. It it brings up stories and feelings and experiences, and you wonder. Was I was I breathing? Was I dreaming? Which like which is sort of like the Matrix? Which one was it? But I do I remember being within about five years into ministry, and I went into a messianic temple because I was really interested in in just uh, well Leviticus. Hey, Leviticus turned me on to messianic stuff, and I walked into this temple in San Antonio. And I, I was looking for the light switch. Now, of course, those who were, oh, you know, it was dark in there. His mind saw things. And I couldn't find the light switch. And then, I, and then as I, as I got closer to it, all I can say was that I, I, I felt something that wasn't a feeling. And I heard something that wasn't a voice. And I experienced something that was almost like an out-of-body and it was, it was like you were saying, this, this not an earthly voice. It was this gargling. I can't, it's hard to describe. And I don't think I've ever run out of a building that fast in my life. Okay? Um, and I remember um, as I was leaving, the people were like, how, what'd you think? You know, because I was going in to actually look at their, what was in their facility. And I, could, I couldn't even speak. I was tongue-tied. I'm stuttering. And I remember I got in the car. I started crying. And then I, and then I called my wife. And I said, this is what happened. You're going to think I'm crazy. And so then she said, well, did it feel good? No, it felt bad. Well, it probably wasn't of God. And so I go, okay. And I left it alone. Now, I don't know what that was. And, you know, you can say Satan, demons. Or creepy churches creepy in the church. dark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all I know is that I've never had that, that, that real feeling before. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it wasn't even a feeling. Like I can't, the word feeling doesn't even describe it. So, okay, what is that? What's... There are some people who want to... Uh, debunk and, and de- demythologize and just say, oh, well, I mean, the academic world definitely says that's just, it's all metaphoric, it's motif, it's fun, it's playful. It's just yeah, but the it's unexplored dream. realms of yeah. the human exactly. mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you have the Christians, uh, and I don't know if it's in other traditions, but, you know, the uh, kind of, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but kind of hyper-charismatic, where this is their existence. The world is populated. This, the world is populated with demons and angels fighting it out on our behalf, mm-hmm. yeah. and they see it everywhere and experience it all the time. Uh, my understanding too that that's true in animist countries. Okay. When there's, when there's not a unifying religion um, beyond, you know, that the spirits inhabit everything, and people have influence over them, and can send them your way, or they can find you if you're vulnerable. Um, yeah. I think that was that's, that's an normal. inconsistency that existed during this time for, I think, a lot of us, is the vulnerability. Because if Christ is the Redeemer, if he died and rose again and did what he said he did, if he lives in me, why would I be vulnerable to Satan's attack? Why would, I, why, why would any part of me be available for something to take me over or to do something to me? And I think that's an inconsistency that I find really troubling now. Um, because if Christ is uh, who he is, and we are connected to the Trinity through having him existing in us through the Spirit, like there's no room for anything there to take over. And so I think that piece of inconsistent theology does a lot of damage. So you have two groups of Christians who may say uh, Satan or Satan's minions, demons, influence, 
and the others who say can uh, possess. Right. So we, we, we were taught growing up that no, you know, the demons can influence you to, you know, right, tempt you, so you're going to, we're going to have, have sex. Usually it was like, <laughs> that's man, exactly usually, what I'm saying. Usually it was like to masturbate. Sorry, I said masturbate on the podcast. I'll say it one more time to masturbate. Uh, it was like, that was the only thing. That and then to drink alcohol. So we're only doing one of those tonight. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? So, so say you are the demons can influence you. But the possession. We, we, at least in our heritage, said no, because Christ is in you, has no, no demons have no hold over you, can't. But then other people said, no, 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 de- demons can, can possess. So whether or not you believe in literal demons or Satan or not, I'm, I'm just kind of curious as to, because that, that's definitely, a, it, wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't dogma, it wasn't even doctrine, it was just an understood part of a culture. Mm-hmm. It's what? belief. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it was tied into sin, I think, in my background, where... If you're backslidden, then you've opened the door and all bets are off, you know, like, so you better get everything right. You better be on top of it because if you backslide, Satan's in there as as soon as he can be. Yeah. I never played with Ouija boards as a kid. And honestly, I wouldn't now either. Dungeons and Dragons? Same thing? No. No. So different. Having a seance. No, like, I just don't want to be involved in that. Because, again, I believe in spirits in one way or another, and I can't understand it, and I don't know, and I don't want to get possessed. (laughs) I mean, it really comes down to this fear. Is it rational or not? I have no idea, but I I don't want to find out. Yeah, I left a slumber party over a Ouija board. Called my mom. I'm like, come get me. I'm leaving now. Yeah. Because I'm not doing it. Yeah, those things freak me out, too. <laughs> so another family member of mine would go into houses, and even at one point in a nightclub, and would feel the spiritual world, would feel the darkness, would feel the evil, and would say, we're out of here. And this person was always right. So then is Satan, or demons, both, will have a, that whole realm. Does it need to be real? Is it okay if it's metaphorical? I, I mean... I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't know if I can necessarily answer that question, but I think it's interesting. Something that comes up, I think, when we talk about Satan is, um, it comes, uh, again, down to, like, who, when people believe in God, what kind of God do they believe in? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you believe in a God that both um, rewards and punishes? Do you believe in a God that is only good, and when bad things happen, it's because humans have th- that capacity for evil or capacity for harm? Um, or do humans have that capacity for harm because they're being influenced by an external evil? I think that people sort of fall along that spectrum in terms, and it really comes down to what is your worldview and what is your spiritual belief, especially, I guess, within a, a Judeo-Christian framework that, you know. And I, I can say this, I can say around the brute theology table, you would have Christians in all parts of the spectrum. That's right, yeah. Um, I think, I'm going to say... I think there may still be something physical to it, but I don't think it's as present as some people make it out to be. Could it be metaphorical? My, my resistance to that is, I think a lot of things that have been attributed to demons and sin are mental illness, and we can name those things now, and we should name them correctly, yeah. and we should treat them correctly, and we should and respect people and love people yeah. that are dealing with those things. And right. so I get really angry with 
traditions that, um, you know, take someone that's bipolar and presume on them a demon, that a demon is making them act that way. Mm -hmm. I don't have any patience for that. Um, And there's such a, I mean, probably our listeners know this, but I mean, especially in some evangelical uh, circles, there's such a resistance even now to treating mental illness and to dealing with counseling and those kinds of things. And I think that's just, that's short-sighted. We, yeah. we have answers to some of these questions that people are refusing to hear. Because it's not necessarily a spiritual yeah. answer. It's not. So, well, I'm just kind of curious about that. Do we think there's a binary? Because it seems, or do, is there a dualism there? Because you say not spiritual, and I'm hearing you say mental. Is it that mental is spiritual, spiritual is mental, that we shouldn't discount? So it's like you can't take one side. It's like, no, let's bring, right. bring this together. Well, maybe there's a difference between spiritual and spiritual. Like, um, there's the, the spirituality and coming to wholeness and coming to our greater purpose and all these things. And then there's also, and then there's the idea of being influenced by spirits. So, yeah. And so. I want to make, I want to make it very clear. I don't think that depression or anxiety or bipolar or personality disorders, those are not demons. Those are medical conditions and they should be treated with medicine and counseling. Um, oh, I, was, I, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I can't say that enough coming out of where I came from sure, and, and, and calling the church to responsibility over that, because I know even um, I think I've read some things that our new vice president elect is not really in favor of counseling and mental health care. And that's baloney. Hmm. We must treat yeah. people for the things yeah. that they have that are going on. Yeah, and, I, and I'm completely with you. If we're on the record, on the record, <laughs> I, but devil's advocate, haha. Yeah, I, I am just kind of curious <laughs> to where. Oh, I mean, do we need to like exercise you when we're done? Let's, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> careful, careful. Yeah, I think I got oil in my purse. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. There are no Aggies in the room, so you're all safe. No demons here. Wah, wah. Okay. <laughs> Is that a sports metaphor? Sports. Uh, <laughs> the sports again. Hook 'em horns, everybody. Okay. <laughs> People would say though when you hook 'em horns like this with your, you know, you yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. it is. So the whole this whole time I've been as Satanist with uh-huh. my no. Okay. But going Don't. back let me play devil's advocate a bit. Sure. Uh, is that enough to say treat them with counseling and medication? Or is there a I mean, is is there a component of spirituality and spirit and spirit, like you were saying? Yeah. Both they need to be addressed as well. I think absolutely if they're in a faith community, mm-hmm. you absolutely treat the whole person. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say that's right. I just think that we have compensated so far on the side of treating them spiritually or sending them to spiritual counseling that we have completely ignored in some settings. Plain old. There is medicine. At, there's medical yeah. things at work here. Um, Plain old good advice and life skills and right. communication skills and self care yeah. skills that can be taught that aren't, aren't inherent. Yeah. Right. And, and is there is there a danger in simply making it about um, one's psyche and giving people medicine? Oh. And I'm just I'm just trying oh. to put on the other hat here. That's all. Well, again, if you're in if you're in a practicing faith community mm-hmm. and it's a healthy community, they should be with you on that journey while you're going through it. So in that sense. No, that it would be integrated. Yeah. Um, but if they're if they've created a special kind of counseling mm-hmm. that's God approved, and you can only do that, like yeah, I, I really hesitate about yeah. that. I feel like it's really manipulative and yeah, harmful. That, that can be harmful. Yeah, I, I would agree. So, uh, so I'm sorry to monopolize this part because no, I'm okay. But I'm just because I'm, I'm trying to get the full picture here. I'm curious what 
everybody else thinks as well. Is it, is it, what if it was just, do you, people who aren't spiritual, how about that? People who don't have a faith community, mm-hmm. people who are just going to see a counselor and that's all that they ever get. And maybe there's a spouse or a friend or somebody there. Is that okay? Is that enough? Or do you think that faith communities need to exist, that they need to be part of this? I mean, and I know some of us are in faith communities and others aren't. And I'm kind of curious what we all think about that. Do we need faith communities within? I mean, I think I walked into Buddhism through a mental illness counseling, which was mindfulness-based. And so, you know, you start with the the tenets of of spirituality and, and reintegration and taking the good with the bad and... Um, being able to witness your own mind at work and understand your mind. And then from that, it's become really a faith journey for me. I mean, that was the way I started out. And I would consider, you know, the person I see for therapy as being someone who also provides spiritual counseling. But I would say it's not, it's not like gods and demons here. It's like, it's like calling to greater purpose. The 12-step program, like, most of the steps are about giving it up to the greater purpose and the higher power. And so that, that's what makes it different. You give up control, and you give that control to your, your higher power, and that's how people get well. So I do believe there's a spiritual component. I do, too. I, I, one of the verses I remember, I think it's in Psalms that we were always taught and always read a lot, of, was uh, one that said that the, that the happy person is, is conscious of their spiritual need. Uh, so neglecting, I think maybe everybody goes through cycles of... of of recognizing that need and then saying, no, I don't need that. And then maybe going back and saying, okay, I need it or no, I don't need it. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think it, I think you can have everything else going right medically with your job, with your relationships, whatever have, you know, whatever's, everything's kind of going right. Um, but that spiritual hole <laughs> or spiritual need or whatever you want to call it. And, I do think sometimes, I, I, I think it's also interesting, maybe people who, who came from, for, who lost their, their spiritual communities, because that's another demographic that a, a lot of, that is growing. Um, there's people who never had one, and maybe they reach puberty, or they reach their 20s or their 30s, and then they go, well, I never really had that, so now I want to look into it. That's very different from somebody who was raised in one and lost it, and then was on their own for a while, and then had to find a new one, or had to go back, or whatever, you know, had to figure that out. Um, and so I do think, yeah, at the, at the right time, I think timing's a big factor in all that, as to when, prioritizing when you get back to your spirituality, and let that address what it can address, and what it can fix, because mm-hmm. I don't think it can fix everything. I, I think it can cause problems at the wrong time, mm-hmm. um, and there's certain things that can't be fixed, like schizophrenia, like, um, uh, you know, uh, disassociative personality disorder, those kinds of things, unfortunately. I mean, I, I don't think they can necessarily, spiritual, spirituality can, can help those, and the right spiritual community um, can help, uh, but the key word there is, is kind of the right, you want to make sure that they're, that they understand both sides of that coin. Um, I have... Um mental illness in my family and I've seen firsthand um, that prayer doesn't work to fix at least the issues that are in my family um, decades of prayer does not fix the mental illness that is in my family so I just want to echo 
what Janelle said about the church has failed. Um, and I think they're getting better about talking about mental illness and, and knowing that um, it can't be prayed away. That's all I have to say. I will take back what I said a little earlier. It appears that Mike Pence, just this is so I don't get sued by Donald Trump, um, has helped encourage mental health care in Indiana to okay. some extent. Great. However, he also has backed uh, conversion therapy for homosexuals. So, yeah. Eh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about prayer because I know you. Um, we had recently had an episode on prayer. Um, but when it comes to evil forces and demons and devils and all that, is does this prayer affect... I have a black cat on my lap right now. <laughs> and the people around me know that I'm not a cat fan. That was timely. Yeah, that was timely. Fortunately, Caspian is an agent of good through <laughs> So you're safe. He's actually protecting you from the, okay. the evil onslaught. So something was, something was going to attack he's me. Mad, you didn't throw meditation. And what I thought was he's satanic. a meditation cat. And yeah, he's, he's like, Buddhist. you just We're said Buddhist prayer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, let me say this out loud. Cats are not satanic. <laughs> Good, yeah. call. Good call. They aren't. So prayer. Yeah. Um, oh, and praying. How, how, does, how does prayer play into demons, um, demons and, and evil and darkness? Yeah. Well, it's your weapon of choice. Um, I mean, that is the only tool that you have against them, is to pray in not only for your own protection, but to contain them and uh, keep it, to keep them from spreading harm. To other people, um, and really, I mean, I there really isn't anything else that you can use. I mean, not in our, not where I came from. It, you you need to be prayed up. You need to be centered and healthy, and then you need then if okay. Let me say it this way. Um, so when you are going into spiritual warfare, that is a prayer stance. And you need to be 100% before you go do that because you're opening yourself up to more attack every time you stand up to them. Now, again, that's another inconsistency that if Christ lives in me and I'm connected to the Godhead through the Trinity, then why would I be at risk? Um, the main risk is that you're going to receive more attacks upon you. So there was, after what I went through in college, there was a long time where I would not lead prayer ministry because I didn't want to be a target. Hmm. Um, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but um, but that definitely is what it feels like. Like whoever your core prayer person is, I mean, the way they train you is just like you need to be prepared because you're going to be walking on Satan's territory and he's going to come after you, and so you need to make sure you stay prayed up and that you have people praying over you so that nothing happens to you. Um, and then when everything goes to crap. You know, it's because you were on the front line. And that doesn't mean anyone has to help you get out of it. Um, but if you go bankrupt or you lose your car in an accident or lose your job, that's just Satan attacking you because you're on the front line doing the work of the Lord. And we can have that discussion in a whole other podcast. Yeah. I mean, I guess that, to me, the question, to in order to answer that question, I feel like two questions need to be answered. One is, what is the purpose of prayer? We've talked about this, and you can look at it a variety of ways. And then what is the purpose, like, what is the nature of evil? If, if Let's talk about both of those things as in, in this moment as real, tangible things. Prayer is currency against evil, which is tangible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess that's the question 
um, you know, is prayer then for God to intercede on your behalf? Um, is prayer something that you use to build up yourself, like a tree growing strong roots and strong trunk so that it doesn't really matter what Satan does? You know, like, what is the purpose of prayer? And if you can answer it in a kind of a spiritual warfare context, you could probably answer it in a more metaphorical, spiritual context. And then what is the nature of evil? Like, is evil targeted, or is evil just chaotic and destructive and um, bringing people away from shalom? You know what I mean? Away from, like, peace and centeredness. Like, so that's, that's I guess, well, my question. Yeah. So one interesting thing that comes out of that is that when evil is targeted in specific ways, it's very easy to ignore systemic evil. It's it, it's like very evil e- coming after you. Well, systemic meaning it's evil. To, it's easy to ignore things like the amount of black people in prisons, the the justice system, um, the lack of health care in our country. Those kinds of things, like you don't even think about them, because you're fighting God's battle on earth to protect people. Well, um, which it just sounds so insane. <laughs> And I'm not, I'm not, I, let me clarify. I'm not saying intercession is not valuable, but interceding for someone else is not the same thing as what we're talking about tonight, yeah. in my opinion. Um, I'll like circle it back around to my like liberal white person mainline ideas. Um, you know, we both have good and evil inside us. And I think that God created everything. So God created the devil, if there is a devil. And created and allowed and planned for demons and demonic warfare if there is something like that and you know we we've all i don't really believe in original sin but i believe that we all have light and dark and that it's not necessarily outside of us okay so when jesus casted out all those demons i mean undeniably it was a huge part of his ministry what yep. does that mean we can't just ignore that because we don't That's understand it christianity yeah um but you know the demon the demons that Jesus was rebuking in the New Testament were unclean spirits. But what if that spirit was our own unclean spirit, part of that light and dark um, that's in us all and does have something to do with original sin, um, etc. What if it's our inner battle? You know, what if our darkness has won for the moment and we're battling to get back into light and goodness um i'm not sure that it's all external sure you know no that makes sense so rather than seeing demonology as this uh, this being outside of self it is the yeah the internal self and we haven't talked much about that but i mean i think there are a lot of people who would say whether they believe in god or not there is an internal battle that humanity has Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. And in the context, like modern day, just speaking personally, when I think of, of demons, big phrase I think of is is, is personal demons. Uh, going agreeing with Monica that we have, we each have. I, I would say everybody or most people that have, have been on this planet just fight certain things. There's there's things humans are prone to, um, whether it's alcoholism, drug abuse. I mean, there's a whole spectrum of things that every everybody you know. All sexual disorders, all kinds of things that that sometimes people fight with their whole life, and sometimes they're short fights, and sometimes they win those fights, and sometimes they lose those fights. And there's a, a verse um, I don't remember where. Maybe do you remember uh, 
somebody <laughs> read my mind here. Man. <laughs> I tried to read it. Uh, somebody fighting or wrestling a demon. They were on a path, and I don't remember. I think I want to say it was a human, but it might have been another angel in the Is Bible. Israel. Shit, about J- Jacob wrestling with an angel? Maybe that was probably it then, yeah. yeah. Wrestling with God? With the, the face well, of no, God. it wasn't an angel. I thought it was a demon. Because they were... The, the demon was specifically trying to stop this person from doing whatever they were doing. Okay. Paul, the Macedonian? No. I mean, it might have been... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's <laughs> read our Bible, people. Come on. <laughs> it's been a while since I've brushed up on that part Wait, of the this New is Testament. Je- Jehovah's Witness, I don't know what you guys are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read that. Anyway, yeah. Look at Google this. You know, it's a demon wrestling. Wrestling with a demon in the Bible somewhere. And um, I kind of remember that story. I don't know why. Like I said, it's been a while, so I was, I was a lot younger when I remember reading that. But that kind of stuck out to me as, as somebody is just wrestle, wrestling a demon. You know, at the time, metaphorically, it was something that st- stood out to me. That um, sometimes you just have a demon that is well, yours to fight. Well, kind of Paul's thorn in the flesh. That might have been a uh, Kind of has that kind of uh, resonance around it that Paul has this thing that he can't conquer. Yeah. Can't. It's always there. Him. Yeah. That's the Fisher King archetype, you know, like a, a hidden wound that makes you stronger and yet also hampers you yeah. in your life. Well, and I, you know, my experience is that, you know, when I've encountered things I don't like about myself, um, hard-heartedness towards people I care about, um, really that kind of internal ugliness, it really, it really does feel like, like evil, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, um, have, you know, experiencing some sort of mental illness and distress around mental illness when you're not quite sure how to cope with it, it, you know, it feels very oppressive. It feels very hard, like out of control and chaotic and hard to get around. And I would say that that yeah. it's a pretty tangible sense of like internal battles and internal evil, good versus evil or peace versus chaos, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth mentioning um, Jesus being tempted in the desert by Satan. Satan. I mm-hmm. mean, is that a? It, it seemed like a literal kind of story. I mean, it was presented mm-hmm. as a literal story with a narrative, and mm-hmm. you know, the um, the things he was tempted with weren't spiritual. They were, you know, power. Wealth, physical wealth and power. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, that's another example in scripture that we don't. You know, Christians don't talk about the devils very much, as we um, said in the beginning, and. I wonder why not, now that I'm thinking of all these examples in the, in the New Testament specifically. Mm-hmm. Money and money and demons. Gospel's full of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think without, without those temptation stories in the desert, Christianity probably would not emphasize much on the Satan, the accuser. Right. Uh, I mean, Paul talks about, you know, a, a little bit, but not, not enough to make it that much of a huge, you know, element of theology now that we, you know, we've seen throughout the last 2,000 years. But you're right, the temptation in the desert. There's a, there's a recent movie. Did you see it about? I haven't seen it yet. So Ewan McGregor, I know, Ewan McGregor, he plays Jesus. Oh, really? Yeah. Jesus is a Jedi! Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so once you get past the, he plays, he, he does a good job. Okay, he really does. Once you get past the fact that you're watching, watching the Jedi... <laughs> Or a white guy. <laughs> um, but he does a really good job. But he also plays the Satan. Oh, you know? oh cool. Okay. And it really deals with the humanity cool. of Jesus in this oh. very barren place. It's a great, it's a great cool. movie. It's called, oh, the, gosh, what's it called? Google it. The, la- uh, the Desert 
Temptation. No. Come on. Jedi. The Jedi. The Jedi. <laughs> Is it the Return of the Jedi? <laughs> oh, man. No. Okay, so just Google Last it. Days in the Desert. There you go. There you go. So if you're listening still at the minute 58, uh, yeah, watch that movie and then uh, message us. You know, you can always do that. You can email us, go on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, hashtag Theology, and go to the website, brewtheology.org. I want to thank everybody here tonight, Liz, Monica, and Chris, and Janelle. This was, it was fun. It was vulnerable. And I think there's a lot of stuff that we didn't talk about, but hopefully you will, in your community back home, continue this conversation. So, yep. peace. Thank peace. You. Cheers. Cheers.